Welcome to the fourth episode of Flying Podcast. Flying Podcast is a series of podcasts aimed at aviators and aviation enthusiasts in the UK. Today we're with Main Air Microlight Flying School. Main Air are based at Barton Aerodrome and not surprisingly teach people to fly microlights. Now I've seen Main Air develop over the last few years to become a great little operation. They now have a small fleet of high-tech fixed-wing microlights, uh, as well as some modern flex-wing aircraft. Chris Koppel is the big cheese down at Main Air and today he's joined for this podcast by flying instructor Marcus Furness. So without more ado, let's get straight into the interview. Okay, I'm with uh, Chris Koppel, who's the MD of uh, Main Air Flying School, and Marcus Furness, who's a flying instructor. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Uh, first question for you, uh, who are Main Air? Right, well, Main Air was a company that made microlights in Rochdale. They were the manufacturing side of the company. They split up from the Main Air Flying School in 2003. The Main Air manufacturing side was sold to Pegasus at Marlborough in Wiltshire. So we took over the flying school and we have two sections of flying school. We have the fixed wing side and we have the flex wing side of it. And you guys are mainly involved in the fixed wing? We're in the fixed wing side, yes. Okay. What sort of uh, training is offered here? Well, we we train to uh, the National Private Pilots Licence standard, which is uh, regulated by the CAA. Okay. Um, uh, you also sell aircraft to this? We do, yes. We sell the Icarus C-42 and also the uh, the flight design CTSW. Uh, we have um, four of those groups here as well, each aircraft having 15 members in each. Okay, you run the syndicates? No, we don't run the syndicates. What We set them up yep. and then once they're set up, they're running themselves. Fine. Uh, and these are, they look like conventional planes, but they're sort of ultra-modern composite Rotax engined aircraft, is that correct? It, it absolutely. Um, uh, quite often, um, we get uh, uh, clients or students that that come to fly microlights, um, but are just not expecting to see the sort of aircraft that we have to offer. Um, they're high performance, um, uh, recently designed, state of the art aircraft. Also, when I was learning to fly, which was probably five years ago, I think microlights were either uh, flex wing or things like thrusters which to me didn't look like conventional aircraft well that's right oh, when you started they were just changing then five years ago is when we really got the first Icarus C42 and that was one of the first types of the modern microlights the Icarus yeah. and the Flight Design CT and the Eurostar uh, in terms now I mean as these microlights are looking more like conventional aircraft what actually classifies them as a microlight what, what is a microlight basically? Right, a microlight is classified by its all weight and either stall speed or its wing loading. The maximum all weight of a microlight at the moment is 450 kilograms. Previously it was 390 kilograms. So all the weight 450 kilograms and also a stall speed of 35 knots or less or a wing loading of 25 kilograms per square meter or less. Yeah, and it's, it's fair to say that that's the UK regulation uh, yeah. within Europe. Um, microlights or ultra, ultralights, as they're known there, have slightly different uh, uh, weight limits. Okay. One question that I know goes through people's minds about microlights is how safe are they? Uh, as safe as the pilots. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, they're, they're, they're uh, incredibly uh, well-designed, uh, well designed, uh, well 
um, constructed and, and well maintained and therefore um, they are as, as safe as the pilot flying them and um, the, that brings into consideration a, a, a lot of factors such as the, the type of weather conditions that you, the pilot would choose to fly them in yep. and, and the, how the pilot would uh, handle uh, the aircraft. But yeah, okay. extremely safe. What, um, the, my flights years ago, the majority of them had two-stroke engines on. And the two-stroke engines, as we know, were not the most reliable in the world. So they had this reputation of um, always landing out somewhere. And if you flew for a few days without an engine failure, you were doing well. But nowadays, we've got much more modern engines. The normally, um, engine of choice is a Rotax 912 or 912S, which is a four-stroke, four very reliable, very fuel-efficient, really smooth engine as well. And even now, some of the sort of older pilots still refer to these aircraft having lawnmower engines in them. <laughs> and what we say to them, well, yeah, how many yeah. people do you know who've got 100 horsepower lawnmowers? <laughs> yeah. And the Rotax is pretty much the engine of choice, as you say. It, it is. And it appears in a fair proportion of... Of general aviation aircraft yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the, the whole um, emerging category of, of VLA, very light aircraft, or, or sport um, uh, aviation in, in the US uh, are using... Uh, the, the road tax as, as the engine, engine of choice, and it's, it's proven to be a, a very reliable it uh, is. Uh, uh, engine. Yeah. It's an easy aircraft to service, uh, engine to service, and so very reliable. Fuel consumption? Depends what speed you're doing with it, what you're revving it to. Average anything between 10 litres to about 15. Yeah. Which is superb, isn't it? Superb. Very good. Yeah. Three gallons an hour, three and a half gallons an hour. Very economical compared and to also, nine for me in my PA28. That's right. And also we're using unleaded fuel, which is, what, pounds a litre, say? Yeah. 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 Much cheaper than that gas. Absolutely. Yeah, and again, with the, usually with the, um, uh, the prop um, matching as well, the, the noise footprint is significantly lower than the, the older type of aircraft engines. Yeah. And also we can climb quicker as well. So, again, from the noise point of view, from the environmental point of view, the noise is only there for a few seconds, mm -hmm. and we're not quite high. We're probably twice the height of, say, a PA-28 at the end of the runway on takeoff. Incredible. So really, there's no, there's no, it's a no-brainer now, isn't it, really? If you're learning to fly, you should be choosing one of these. Uh, well, as, as, as Peter Kay says, it's like garlic bread. It, it, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. If you want to learn to fly to become an airline pilot, yeah, yeah go on and fly light aircraft. Mm -hmm. If you want to fly for fun, my flights are the way forward. Okay. Yeah. And, and even having said that, Chris, you know, we, we have a couple of students that are um, looking at commercial aviation, possibly, they're, they're, they're young people, and they're, they, you can still use the NPPL as the first, the first qualification to get to that point. It's, it's probably not the quickest way to do it, but it is possible to start off on microlights and then progress to a, a, a career in the airline industry. Okay. Uh, if I were to come along here and say, right, I want to learn to fly microlights, what's involved? What are the differences between this? Get and your wallet out. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what are the differences between this and normal uh, PPLA? Well, from the, the, the first emphasis we put on it is fun. It's got to be fun. You're paying for yeah. it at the end of the day. And microlight flying is actually classed as a sport. So we try and treat it as that. It still has the safety aspects of it, obviously. So we're, we're very cautious on that and we, we try and teach you to be uh, uh, to be safe from the syllabus it's 25 hours minimum time whereas the NPPL for light aircraft is 32 hours and I think for the JR it's 46 hours so it's a much shorter syllabus and the exam's still the same we've got five written exams to do so you still have to do those still have to do your RT and yes still have to do radio exactly. yes right 
Uh, medical, is that the same as normal PPL? It's the same as the, the national private pilot's licence, which okay. is a self-certification to the standard of a, of a heavy goods vehicle driver. So okay. it's, you, it's a, a reasonably accessible medical um, which is w one of the appealing things about flying. Which you get from your GP, you sign your flight. Absolutely. Fine. So you would find a lot of people that maybe struggle to get their full class two would gravitate down to either yeah. NPPL or... A absolutely. I either just to the NPPL um, uh, single engine piston um, uh, license or um, more often than not because of the, the, some of the advantages we just talked spoken about then they'll come down to, to the microlight license but you know get all the advantages of performance and economy. Okay if someone were to pop along here and wanted just to take a trial in a sample flight just to see if you know microlighting is for them do you offer something like that? Yes we do we do half hour trial flights and one hour trial flights and we're given the choice of which aircraft to go in we have the Eucharist C-42 or the flight design CT. So we can have a go. If you want to go into Flexwing, yeah, that's no problem, but we'll see the, the other flying school for that one. Okay. Uh, we've touched on the sort of aircraft that you fly from here. I know you guys are more involved in the flex, in, sorry, in the fixed wing, um, uh -huh. and you also have flex wing from here, but what are the sort of main differences between flex wing flying and fixed wing flying? Fixed wing flying is more like conventional aircraft. So if you was going to fly a Cessna, you could probably get into a microlight and with a little bit of conversion train be able to fly it. Yeah. Flex wings are total opposite, they're open cockpit yeah. and also all the controls work back to front compared to a conventional aircraft. So if you were to go into a flex wing, having got a private pilot's license on either a fixed wing aircraft or fixed wing microlight, you have to do a conversion course for it. Right. The flex wing is a slower aircraft generally. They normally cruise about 70 miles an hour, the latest ones do. But some of the very early ones, they were cruising about 25, 30 miles an hour. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, very slow. Very slow. To the uninitiated, a flex wing is really like a hang glider with a little... That's right, that's right, derived from the, yeah. the engine. Yeah. yeah, it's just a hang glider wing, it's derived from that. Yeah. Okay. If you were to uh, take up flex wing flying, you probably need to invest in special clothing, would you, to keep warm up there? No, yes. Um, it can be quite cold in winter. You don't have flying suits. Yeah. Thermal socks. Things like that, thermal gloves, and also because it's open cockpit, they tend to use helmets in them as well. With special microphone the, built in? Yeah, well, yeah. not necessarily, they don't have to be built in. We do have headsets that will go on, and then headset, the helmet will go over the top of it. Okay. Can you still use your GPS in a. Oh, yeah, flexible? no problem at all. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I think there's some practical considerations. For example, you, you're wearing gloves. Yeah, so. Oh, that, yeah. So big buttons. Yeah, yeah. And the same with the radio, I've seen them. Exactly the same, yes. Yeah. yeah. They can be a little bit more good to use, as Marcus says. Not impossible, just a little bit more awkward. Uh, what do you do with a map? You can't obviously unfold your map in the, in the air because of the, uh, well, the wind flow. It, it's been known that pilots have tried. But it, it, <laughs> it, 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 it's not advisable, and no, and uh, that, that's why uh, pre-flight planning is uh, in, incredibly important, especially when it comes to uh, open cockpit flex wing aircraft. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, usually the map is um, uh, uh, set out to cover the area you're intending to fly in and it's strapped uh, or encased within a kneeboard uh, so that it's, it's out of harm's way. And the kneeboard can be flipped over as well so if you have the map folded correctly once you get to the end of it you can flip the kneeboard over so you can see the other side of the map. Okay. The three axes that you guys are more mm -hmm. concerned with there um, as, as we've discussed conventional looking fixed wing um, what are the advantages of them over the, the other types you were flex Over the flex wing? Yeah. Warmer. We have heaters. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, we often get asked this question, don't we? And, and it really is, it's, it depends what, 
what, what you're after, what your objectives are. Um, both types of aircraft are incredibly fun. Um, personally, um, I fly flex-wing aircraft um, when it's warm in the summer, um, when I'm not looking to go very far, but when I want to really have fun with, the, with, with my flying, um, it, it's because it's open cockpit and because it's a very manual um, uh, engagement with the flying controls, you push and pull the wing, um, uh, you, feel, you feel very engaged with what you're doing. Um, when it comes to uh, wanting to travel somewhere or, uh, of any great distance or in the winter, uh, I will pick fixed wing in a heated cockpit mm -hmm. every time. Fixed wing controls are normally very light as well, compared to a flex wing. Like I said, the flex wing is quite, or can be quite heavy depending on what type of aircraft you're flying. Whereas a fixed wing one is very light, because you're not moving the whole wing, you're moving control surfaces, so therefore yeah. very light controls. So I always thought micro lighting, flex wing micro lighting is like motorbiking. It is. Like it's a motorbike of the sky, as we call yeah. them. It is. Yeah. Yeah. You get a lot of people coming in from the motorbike world. And well, a lot. Yeah, yeah a lot. Yeah. Just talking a little bit about the two aircraft that you run here. Just mm -hmm. give a little bit of rundown on those, the two makes and... Right, well, I saw the Icarus C42. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the, the main one we use for training. We've got two of those. They... It's a German built. It's a German built aircraft. Been around now since uh, about nine years, nine to ten years. The ones we have, the oldest one we've got is 18 months old and the newest one is just over a year old. They're all they, composite? All, yeah, well, the composite and, and uh, fabric covered. The wings are fabric. The fuselage is composite but the fuselage structure is actually just a metal tube that makes it very easy from a repair point of view and makes it very easy to work on both aircraft are fitted with the 80 horsepower um, uh, um, engine Rotax 912 engine and that gives a fuel consumption of about 13 litres an hour cruise speed of about 80 knots duration duration four and a half to five hours so you can actually go places in these oh places. very yeah. much so probably for necessity in some respects yeah yeah. And you have the one, if you have twin tanks in it, you can get the long range tanks that carries down 130 litres. You can only fly it with full tanks if you're one person in it. That would give you a duration of probably about nine hours. Wow. Well on that. Yeah, more than most people's bladder. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I've actually flown a C42 from Johnny Groats to Land's End and back again in one day. Wow. I've said that Mark, who I worked with, he also did it in a flex wing as well, on the same day. A brave lad. Yeah, that's with long range tanks in it. Yeah. And we've got the, uh, the CTSW as well. Yeah, and that's um, a slightly different beast, um, a, a composite high-tech aircraft. Uh, it has the 100 horsepower Rotax uh, engine. Um, cruises, because of that, cruises considerably faster. Uh, a good cruise, a good economic cruise speed is about 115 knots, so uh, you can really cover some ground. And uh, regarding range, um, it, it has a, a fuel capacity of 130 litres. Again, you'd have to fly that. Um, uh, 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 solo, but that gives you uh, a range of over a thousand miles. Very impressive. Mm. Very. And that, the CT, is the more demanding flight? It's slightly more demanding, yeah. Uh, obviously to get those kind of, uh, that kind of performance there are some compromises uh, in the handling at some, at some points in the flight envelope, but it generally it's still a very easy aircraft to fly yeah. and, and we train students have an issue on it. Yeah. The CT, we always say the CT is two different types of airplane. It's a very fast cruising airplane, 115 knots. It'll land at 50 knots. So you've got an aircraft that'll land at less than half its cruising speed. So the handling characteristics are slightly different at lower speed. So everything you've told me about on these aircraft seems to be all advantage and it is over your conventional... Yes. But we would say that. We would say that. <laughs> yes. well, being perfectly honest, are there any downsides? Well, uh, wait. Yeah. 
If we're being honest, yeah. um, uh, the, the actual payload, because of the, uh, especially in the UK, where, um, the, the, as Chris mentioned earlier, the definition is is a maximum all at weight that's including passengers and fuel of 450 kilograms. Um, it means that there are um, compromises to be made, so you have to trade off um, uh, 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 fuel with people or, or uh, luggage, and usually that means if you want to fully exploit the aircraft range, you have to fly them solo. If, if you're flying them um, uh, two up uh, with two people, then usually uh, the range is limited to uh, an hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours, depending on the exact type of aircraft and the weight of those people, of course. Okay. So is it, is it the legislation then that restricts? That's legislation, yes. So yeah, if, you took away the legislation. if you took away the legislation, legislation the asset would be fine. The aircraft itself, like the CTSW, has an actual all weight of 600 kilograms um, in Germany. And the aircraft can take that, no problem at all. The C-42 can take uh, 580, I think it is, kilograms. Yeah. So you can take two people, full load of fuel. Oh, and yes, some and more, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the aircraft are designed yeah. to... to um, uh, take a, a much bo both our aircraft are designed to take a much higher um, takeoff weight than we are permitted to to do in the UK. In the UK, who administers the microflight world? Is it the CAA? Uh, that is, it's the British Microflight Aircraft Association, the BMAA, yeah. who look after it on behalf of the Civil Aviation Authority. Right. So anything like our permits or instructor rates, anything like that, initially goes to the British Microflight Association first, and they oversee it for them. Right. I know we don't know what the rule changes are going to be from Europe, but we are expecting some this year, do you think? Uh, we were expecting them last, last year, year, so how long's a piece of string? Yeah. yeah they're What's imminent. The world comes. Yeah. But uh, it always takes time. Are we, are we optimistic about the future? Then? Oh, yes. <sighs> yeah. yeah. And we think thing, things will get yes. easier for you guys? They will get easier, I think, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what's happened in the in the US uh, with the, mm -hmm. the, the uh, sports category mm -hmm. and the, the sports licensing there is is very encouraging for what potentially is going to happen in Europe. It seems to be revolutionising the way things are going in the States, doesn't it, with more access oh, to cheaper, yeah, faster. Yeah, much so, yeah. yeah. Especially with the costs going up all the time, like fuel, yeah. for instance. Co yeah. Fuel is a major concern. Absolutely. And if we're using a leaded fuel at a pound a litre, yeah. it's much better than using... I've gas at £1.50-odd a litre, yeah. and we're guzzling half of what that we use. Yeah. And of course we're talking, you mentioned unleaded, the environmental aspect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and in fact, some, some um, um, nations, uh, Switzerland for example, last year opened their borders to microlight aircraft for the mm -hmm. first time ever um, because of the, the uh, uh, environmental angle. And in fact, they class them as eco-lights. Yes, yeah. yes. They are proven aircraft now. Yeah. Whereas before, years ago, people saw them, if you like, a bit of a joke. Mm -hmm. They're not now. They're serious aeroplanes. They're serious go-place aeroplanes. Well, I think the light sport aircraft market in the States is dominated by East European aircraft, so... You know, they design the best ones. Yeah. I believe Cirrus have adopted an East European. Is it the Funk? As their Something that's like that, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they're sort of rebadging it as their... That's right. So what are their aircraft? Yeah. 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 But, I mean, I think all of this is fallout from, you know, the end of the Cold War. And it just, is, yeah. And just lots of... Yeah. Uh, um, uh, ex-military designers and uh, aviation related mm -hmm. suppliers have now got to refocus and thank, 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 thank thankfully they're, yeah. they're yeah. refocusing on sports aviation. Yeah. There's quite yeah. a lot of catching up to do technologically wise haven't we? Uh, when you think of the Cessnas and oh. that we're flying around in a how well, old design is that? You look at Cessna, Cessna's what? The average Cessna you learn to fly in here is probably about 40 years old now. Yeah. And we've got more modern aircraft. Nothing against Cessnas. 
They're perfectly good aeroplane, but they are costly to run. Yeah. You touched on uh, Switzerland allowing you to fly now with a microlight. What, what law pertains in the rest of Europe? Could you just fly over to France without letting them know you're coming and just going through the normal customs? Or uh, um, Yeah, uh, generally um, the, the, you can fly a microlight on a national private pilot's licence in certain countries in Europe. The national private pilot's licence is um, actually only officially recognised in the UK but there are many reciprocal agreements so you mentioned France there and and they're one of the countries that recognize that qualification right. so absolutely we can fly to France and, and and actually I have flown to France from um, uh, this airfield or just close to this airfield um, and all you, all you need to do is file a flight plan. So is the microlight license in essence an NPPL license? It is. It is now. Yes. Right. It's a, that's the only microlight qualification you can gain in the UK is a national private pilot's licence, right. microlight. So when you get your licence, it is an NPPL M. Yeah. That's right, I got you. Right. If you w wanted to go on to fly conventional aircraft, um, but we're, you, know, you thought microlighting might be a good place to start, can you use all the hours that you gain yes. microlighting to use yes. towards your PPL? If you wanted to go to an MPPL from a microlight... It's, it's normally, if it's a three-axis controlled aircraft, yeah. it's normally about seven to eight hours conversion time. So from your NPPL for a microlight and you wanted a fully-fledged GR PPL? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, th th you do that in Not two GR, stages. Yeah. You'd go from NPPL microlight right, to, to NPPL, NPPL uh, I believe it's SEP or, yeah. uh, or SSEA, yeah. Simple Single Engine Aircraft. Okay, um, that's about about six to seven hours plus um, a new set of, gra of ground exams because they're the JAR ground exams that you take currently, right. uh, and then to to upgrade to a JAR PPL, uh, it's about another twenty hours of flying. Yep. Uh, that's because of the the minima that you required, but yep. you have already all the ground exams, so it literally is just more flying with an instructor. Okay, obviously. You guys fly out of uh, Barton Aerodrome, which is a conventional grass strip. Where else can you land a microline? Um, anywhere with the landowner's permission. Um, obviously, there ha the, the, the landing area has to have certain characteristics. It needs to be um, long enough for the aircraft to land. And depending on, on the type of aircraft that you're, that you're using, that's typically about three or four, 400 yards long. Um, the kind of surface, um, uh, agricultural grazing ground is sufficient. Um, the, the, the aircraft are designed to land on rough ground. Um, and again, pi pilots are trained to recognise uh, the, the types of uh, uh, landing areas that are suitable and to, to make use of them. They have a very short landing and takeoff roll, don't they? They're uh, very incredibly short. Incredibly yeah. short. We yeah. can land them um, from wheels down to a stop in just a 10 knot wind. We can probably land it about 75 metres. Yeah. I mean, I've seen the micro like uh, sorry, the flex wings take off and, and they virtually are airborne as soon as they, uh, they start. Yeah, because because our aircraft are very light, or with very powerful engines in them, yeah. they have a very short takeoff roll. Yeah. Again, into a ten knot wind, we're probably rolling no more than fifty meters. If that. Absolutely. I mean, I, I recently um, uh, took a very experienced commercial pilot flying, and he was uh, very surprised at when we opened the throttle uh, when we were lined up. Uh, at the the acceleration and the the incredibly short distance in his view uh, that we rolled before we became airborne. It normally takes people by surprise, especially if you give them a go of it. You get an experienced pilot who can fly, say P28 or Cessna 172, 
you say, yeah, take off with this, and you explain what they're doing. They obviously know what to do, but they really get shocked at how quickly the aircraft is airborne yeah. and how quickly it climbs as well. What sort of people, you've touched on experienced pilots coming to, to market lighting, what sort of people do you we, get? We get a, a mixture of people. From other forms of aviation, we get a lot of people coming from the light aircraft environment, purely not because of costs, yeah. also from the fun point of view as well, because they are fun to fly these. Yeah. And because we can go into much shorter strips, there's a much uh, more variety of airfields or landing areas that are open to us. So we get all sorts of people, experienced pilots, novice pilots who have just got licenses but want to try something different. Yeah, in fact, there's, there's a chap that flies a Flexwing microlite um, to the south of Manchester uh, Airport, and uh, he actually um, flew Concorde in there on its final flight before being parked up on the apron. So um, you can see we get a, a real uh, spectrum of people flying um, the, the, these wonderful aircraft. Yeah, we do. We've got police helicopter pilots fly. Well, that's who he used to fly, police helicopter used to fly. Yeah. He had the lessons with us. Well, I'm, I'm definitely uh, going to come back and give it a try. Mm -hmm. So I shall uh, be back during the summer when it warms Good. up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't worry about that, we've got heaters. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, thank you very much, Chris. You're welcome. Well, thank you thank very you. much. Well, uh, we'll be in touch. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks again to Chris and Marcus for taking part in this podcast. Actually, after the interview, Marcus gave me a quick walk round of the CT and the C-42 in their hangar. Due to the high winds on the day when I did the interview, it was so noisy I couldn't actually get any recording done in there as we did the walk round. But I do intend to get back to Main Air to take a flight in one or both of their fixed-winged aircraft. And when I get the website up and running, which is on its way, I'll post some pictures and links so you can get a better idea of what these aircraft look like. If you fancy a trial flight or actually want to start training for your microlight license, you can contact Chris on 0161 787 9034 or check out their website, which is www.mainairflyingschool.co.uk. That's mainairflyingschool, all one word, .co.uk. I'm sure you'll enjoy yourself down there, a very, very friendly team, so uh, no excuses. Get down and get flying. If you have any suggestions for subjects or if you'd like to appear on this podcast again, please feel free to drop me a line. You can contact me on steve at flyingpodcast.co.uk. Well, that's it for episode four. Thanks for listening. I look forward to hearing from you and speak to you again soon. All of the music on this episode was provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com